All right, Todd told me to tell y'all I have my dogs out. I, I don't know what that means. He said just a sec. One person's got, Todd, you let me down. Okay. How many of y'all are super excited about Christmas? Yeah. When I was growing up, this was probably like my least favorite holiday. I know. Let me get there. Let me get there. Probably because like whenever like daylight savings time comes and like I would play sports and like you'd get home and you'd do your little bit of homework and then go to practice and you're like, oh wait, it's dark at like 5.15. Oh, I wake up to go and it's still dark. But then a good thing, I was like, man, I eat so good on Thanksgiving. It was so good. Love it. I love some smoked turkey and some sweet potato casserole and all that. And then my football team, they like to blow games with like a second left. And, uh, so, so that's sad. So I have to wait until September to be like, this is the year. And then be like, no, we're still going to lose because we're not any good. So I say all that to think of like, I wonder what it was like whenever people are waiting in Israel. They just came out of exile. Prophets were talking, and then like it just got t- quiet. And they're probably like, man, I wonder all these prophets, what all they said. I wonder when that's going to happen. And then they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And I bet we got some arguments. I think some of them might Okay, they didn't go like this at all, but this clip is really funny. And it's going to kick off our our first series of what were they expecting? Were they expecting a baby or were they expecting a savior? So if we can roll that clip. Summer's ready. Come on, y'all. I've been slaving over this for hours. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And of course my wife, Carly, who is a stone cold fox. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist palm. He was a man. He had a beard. Ricky, finish the grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. 
just little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! That I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say the Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. Amen. I mean, I heard a lot in there. I heard that baby Jesus was eight pounds, six ounces. Did he even know how to talk? Like, Jesus was singing the lead for Leonard Skinner with the angel wings. A samurai. I mean, all of these things, which I'm sure they weren't talking about. And I don't know how to transition from that to my next point. So how about we just pray? Dear Jesus, we won't call you baby in this prayer. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you came for us. Thank you that you still speak to us. Over the next 15, 20 minutes, God, help us to focus on you, that we can put away all of our distractions and just hear your word differently, that we can see a story of how you were born and just see it a little bit differently so maybe it'll change our lives and we can impact others. For all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, normally the main point's at the end, but since we're remixing, our main point's going to be at the beginning, and it's a question. Who do you say that Jesus is? I mean, that was a question that Jesus asked his disciples, right? He heard all the chirping, goes, hey, hey guys, who do you say that I am? And they got their answer. But who would you say he is? We'll put a pin in that one. We'll come back to it at the end. So going back in time all the way to Genesis, we can see how God spoke to his people. And the first way that God spoke to his people was face to face. He made Adam, he made Eve, and they got to walk with Jesus or God and they got to see him face to face, and everything was perfect. I think that would be pretty cool, right? So they didn't have to wonder, like, what is this Savior stuff? What, like, how, how are you going to take care of all of mankind? Because they hadn't, they hadn't messed up yet. They hadn't ate. And then they did. And then the garden went away. The earth starts to slowly deteriorate, waiting on renewal, waiting for saving. And then we get, you know, Moses, he's walking around and he sees this thing in the distance and it looks like something's on fire and he's a, he's a guy who's so like, man, something's on fire. I'm going to go look at it. And he gets closer and he's like, man, that, it's burning, but it's not burning up. And then we get, oh, well, God's talked to Moses through the burning bush. Then the next we have, when they're in exile or leaving Egypt and they're going to go wonder, God spoke to them through fire and through smoke. And wherever the smoke and the fire was, that's where God was. So that, hey, wherever this stuff goes, that's where we're going to go. Because we just want to be with God. And then they finally get to the, the holy land, the promised land. And they get prophets. And you get like Isaiah, who tells them like, hey, you know, bad things are going to happen. Like, this is the message. Like, here I am, Lord, send me. And he's like, go tell them that they're going to go to exile and that half of them are going to die. I'm like, wait, no, that, that wasn't the message I wanted to get. Or we get Jeremiah who tells them, you know, like, oh, I, I know the plans for you. Plans to prosper, hope in the future. And before that, was like, you know, 70 years are going to take place. So every time that God spoke, it was usually, you know, a little bad with a little bit of good or a lot of good. And then we get to Malachi. Malachi is the last prophet. And he basically says, 
You're robbing from God. You're stealing from him. We just came back from exile. We, we have the temple. And it's all going to go bad. And they don't turn. And then God just says, you know what? I'm going to be quiet. So some of the verses that we have in Old Testament, Genesis 3.15, he's talking to Abraham. He says, and I will cause hostility between you and the Lord. This is him talking to the Adam. I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So this is a prophecy of the Savior that's going to come. And this is all the way in Genesis. The next one we get is Genesis 12, 3. Now this time he's talking to Abraham. He says, I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. All families on earth will be blessed through you. You're like, okay, this one's about Jesus. Like, that's what my Google search said. So it's like, how are we going to bless everybody? So it's a prophecy about a Savior coming. Then Isaiah 7, 14, it says, All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. Another one is like, man, it's like the Savior's going to come, and it's like, this is what it's going to look like. And then Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. These are just four verses from the Old Testament. There's a few more. But these are all telling us what the Savior was going to be like. And then it got quiet. There's no prophets. There's nobody saying, hey, guys, you need to repent. We're, we're not pleasing God. There's nobody saying, hey, we're doing so good. God's pleased with us. Here's, here's just all these blessings. It was just quiet. So what happened in this almost 400 years? An empire rose up, and they took over Israel. And then another empire rose up, and they came and conquered. Then another one rose up, and they came and conquered. And then you get the Romans. If you've had world history, you know that Romans were basically trying to conquer the world, and they were doing a pretty good job of it. So that's the setting of where we are whenever the Messiah is going to come. Rome's in charge of Israel. So the Jewish people are like, man, this is our land. We're not even in charge of it. I don't know what's going to happen. And then they're probably thinking like, oh, that ruler that's going to come, he's going to look like this. So I don't know, that's the gladiator guy, and he came. He was fighting with Rome, but he was going to set the people free. That's what they wanted. They wanted somebody to come in, kick some butt, take some names, and give them their land back. But the problem for all of us, if that's the Jesus that would have came at the beginning we're all screwed because he was just coming for the Jewish people. So anybody that wasn't born Jewish, we were against them. Like we would have been at the tip of the sword dying. Instead, they got, and we got this. Oh, What's a baby going to do? A baby's not going to save us. Rome's in charge. We, we can't even go to the temple unless they tell us that we can. We, we can't do this. We're not in charge of our... And you give us a baby. And then you give us a baby that was born in a manger. Like, he wasn't even, like, born, like, to a rich family. Like, a rich family. He was born, like, cast away. And then the first people that come see him are shepherds. Like, where are the kings? Where, where are the elite? Where are the Pharisees? Like, nope. He says, hey, this is a new plan. We're going to go this way. 
So why does all of this matter? If you have your Bible, turn to Revelation. We're going to be in chapter 1, verse 13 through 18. It says, In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have lost the keys. What a difference that is from what we've always been told, right? This is, this is the one that they wanted. They wanted the one that was going to come and look like a king, look like a savior, look like all this other stuff. I am glad, since I'm, I'm not Jewish, I'm, I'm a Gentile, that we got a baby. And y'all are probably like, what, what does it matter? Like, like, yeah, he was born a baby 2,000 years ago. Yeah, we're past that. But this is why it's important. This is why it still matters to us today. Because he had to grow up. He had to be tempted by everything that we've been tempted with. And he had to not give in. He had to be perfect. He had to say, look, guys, look at me, look at me. This is what God looks like. You want to see God look at me, look at me, look at me. And this is Jesus talking. He's going, you want to know what God looks like? I serve people. God, God's a servant. I'm merciful. God's merciful, too. I'm gentle. Oh, God. Oh, I'll also flip over a, uh, a money table because... God's also vengeful and wrathful. He had to teach us different things because the Pharisees had, had twisted things and they laid burdens on us. And if you were at church this morning, you heard about like, oh man, they, they really stuck it to the widows. And he had to come in and like, man, we have thousands of years of what was taught that it's not really the heart of God. You know, we get, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. And we get, oh, I say, even if, if you think it, then it's a sin. So he had to teach us the different ways of looking at what God's word says. Then after he did all that, he had to willingly lay his life down as the lamb, give his life up, so that the rest of us could come into relationship with him. And I'm making a dangerous assumption tonight. I assume if you're at Reckless the Sunday after Thanksgiving, when it's cold, when it's rainy, I assume probably most of us have got, yep, I got Jesus. He's my Savior. Check. All right, let's move on. But then what comes next with that part? I wonder if we took the Savior part, the Jesus that loves us, the Jesus that's our friend, the Jesus that walks with us and does all that, and we looked at it with what Revelation says. Would we act any different? Maybe. Maybe not. I think 
at least for y'all's generation, us adults that are older, we've done a real bad job of like showing what like authority, reverence, and respect looks like because like, I don't know, for the last 16, 20, 24 years, half of the country has hated whoever's the president. And then we see that like, oh, well, if I don't like him, I can just hate him. And so like, man, that's still the president. And then this is Jesus. And we're like, eh, I'll take it. Eh, really doesn't fit my schedule today. Uh, ooh, that's inconvenient. I, I don't want to do that. Here's main point number two. We have a double duty. How you answer who Jesus is. So main point number one will impact how you live your life. If you like sweet baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounces, you'll be like, cool, I can just come check in. Oh, I made my attendance check. I'll see you in six months. Oh, ooh, they're doing an event. I'll go. Because babies don't really ask a lot of us. Like, I have a two-year-old, and like he can like mumble, mama and dada. But he doesn't ask me, like, oh, live your life differently, dad. Jeez, get it together. They're like, if he poops, i got to change him. If he hungry, i got to feed him. And outside of that, I just have to keep him alive. So far, so good. Maybe you like the warrior Jesus. Like, he's fighting the evil samurai. That's going to change how you approach him. You're going to look at him as like, oh, this bad thing's happened. I'm just going to trust Jesus. He's going to take care of it. And it's probably a good quality. If you think Jesus is, has the angel wings and singing lead for Leonard Skinner, then half of that might be true. He might have wings. Like, it didn't say that, but good. He, he might be a great singer. We don't know. If you like bearded Jesus, the one that's on the cross, then you really love Easter and you really like that friendship part. Probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a big slogan that says, Jesus is my homeboy. Any of the adults remember that? Yeah. And it was like, so many of us, your parents' age, probably grew up in like a very legalistic church where it was like, oh, if you do this, God's going to smite you down. If you do this, you're going to hell. And, all that. and it was just a very different view of God. So the flip side is like, man, Jesus is my homeboy. I can come to him with everything. And we've probably messed that up a little bit too by being so free. That we're like, man, homeboy was holy. If that's your friend, like, you're going to act different around him. And just turn the page in Revelations. I always like the song, I Could Only Imagine. It's like, when I get there, what, what am I going to do? And like, we have a pretty good answer. In Revelations 4, 8 through 11, it says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around. And within, and day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. The one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, 
and by your will they existed and were created. I wonder if we really got a hold of that, if after we accepted Jesus and we're like, I'm going to walk with you, if we've grasped what that looks like. You know, if you look at other cultures and how they treat their kings, they're down here. And they're like, whatever you tell us to do, that's what we're going to do. And they lay their heads down. It's like just complete surrender. And we've lost that in America. Like, we, we don't get it. But when we accept Jesus, we take our whole life and we put it at his feet. And we say, whatever it is that you want me to do, however you want me to go, it's right here for you, Jesus. I just want to live for you. Whatever you tell me, the answer is yes. And we'll figure out the rest, right? So let's pray. And then our only response is to come back and sing with worthy are you. Holy, holy, holy are you. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came as a baby. We thank you that you grew up, that you had your beard, you took our, our, your beatings for us, for me, that you willingly gave your life for my sins, for our sins. And because you loved us so much, our only response is to give it all back to you and say, my friendships, they're at your feet. My career choice I'm going to do, it's at your feet. How I respond to my parents, my teachers, my coaches, my boss with, with my job. It's how I want to treat you. And it's all yours. We pray that, that as we worship, that our hearts are connected with yours, that what comes out of our life brings glory and honor to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.